Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion today, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Luke A., Gordon S., and Cindy W. Colin Moore is a new guest on the program today. Colin is the president and CEO of Westward Gold, a Nevada, United States-focused gold exploration company with properties in the Battle Mountain, Eureka region, north central Nevada. The company is listed on the Canadian Securities Exchange under the symbol WG and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol WGLIF. Colin, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be on. Absolutely, Colin. It's good to meet and chat Westward Gold here. Well, this is an introduction program and Westward is quite new to me, but Colin, first, how do you look at the junior gold exploration market? Yeah, and it's uh, there's a wide spectrum of options for for investors out there. You know, I bet there's probably a thousand different publicly listed companies um, that are you know exploring for commodities in one form or another in one jurisdiction or another. You know, I, I came from an engineering and investment banking and, and private equity background, so most of my professional career has been spent on the investor side of things. So it's um, this is my first foray into uh you know the, the issuer side and it's um you know it's it's not the easiest um you know it's it's a risky business um even even without the the macro headwinds that we've been facing uh, in the junior space recently so you know how, how we look at it is is we try and put together um a compelling story and, and mitigate uh, external risks as best you can because you know we are an early stage explorer so uh, some of that, um, some of those strategies for mitigating risk, including, uh, you know, being in a very safe and well-endowed juris jurisdiction in Nevada, very mining friendly, lots of skilled labor, lots of infrastructure. On the commodity side, you know, gold is never going to go out of favor, at least in my opinion. And on the team side, you know, surrounding ourselves with, uh, with industry veterans who have made successful discoveries in the past. So I think the way we look at it is, is if you have all those factors in play, there you, you really maximize your chances for success. Before we get into an overview of Westward, elaborate a little bit more on the market conditions we're seeing, you know, right here in front of us uh, over the last few months, and what you see for exploration companies in this sector going forward. What is your outlook for those for this segment? You know, the small, very tiny cap uh, exploration companies, you know, listed in Canada. What does your outlook say over the next six to 12 months? Yeah, and to be honest, I mean, looking, stepping back and looking at the macro picture, I think all of the factors, the traditional factors that should be favorable for, for gold specifically and commodities in general in an inflationary environment, I think they're all there. That being said, you know, with the Fed potentially orchestrating a hard landing here, I think we're in a risk off environment. Um, there's a flight to cash and that's affected all asset classes, but it's really affected those, as you say, the micro caps, the, the small market cap, um, junior explorers, I think, you know, have been um, more beaten up than, than other asset classes. Uh, you know, looking at our peers, a lot of them are, are down 50, 60, 70% um, year to date. 
And, and that, I think that's a function of these are risky assets. So in a risk off environment, they're going to be, they're going to be sold off and we're not immune to that. We've been, you know, actively trying to get the word out. I think, I think eventually the cream rises to the top, but we've been, we've been trading about sideways year to date and um, it's, it's been, it's been a struggle. So trying to do everything right on the ground, obviously uh, in a business that doesn't generate any revenue, um, the only source of capital you have is raising equity and you can get yourself in a lot of trouble at these levels, you know, trying to raise cash at these, uh, at these depressed share prices obviously causes dilution that limits upside in the long run. So we're trying to be very diligent with our burn rate. Um, but at the same time, the best way we think to unlock shareholder value is by putting money into the ground and advancing our projects. So, um, kind of a long winded way to say, uh, it's it's been tough here, but I I am optimistic about the next six to twelve months. I think once the dust settles and and people start looking around and and see that you know gold as an asset class has has held its own probably better than others, um, and then uh, looking down at the equities, uh, especially the junior equities, some of these names have been so beaten up that they're just you know compelling valuations here. So I'm hopeful that once we get through probably a very uh, slow summer, uh, low volumes traditionally going into the fall, which tends to be a good time of the year for uh, junior explorers. I think the next six to 12 months um, should be a little bit brighter than what we've seen over the last six months. Yeah, certainly the market's been tough here, very challenging. And then also a delayed fuse on commodities and, and certainly things like gold that most people would probably expect it to move earlier, although gold from a price standpoint is done pretty well. It's just been how much patience do you have, I think, is the question. And certainly that there's a, a good move headed forward and it's going to be to the right side. But we'll see what happens here over the next six to 12 months and see how that deleveraging continues to happen across all market sectors. Why don't we kick it off here on Westward with a quick overview of the company and what the immediate objective is, Colin? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Westward is a fairly fairly new story. I've been um, I've been involved with Westward for about a year, almost a year exactly, when my uh, my private company Momentum Minerals Limited was bought by the um, the public company that is now Westward. We changed our name. It used to be IM Exploration, but now we're Westward Gold. So it's been about a year long journey, um, really assembling this land package that you know is 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 pretty compelling based on the loca location and its, its size um, and the geological features we're seeing that, that give us a lot of optimism. Um, so it's 40 square kilometers in the heart of the Battle Mountain Eureka Trend. Um, we're in what I like to call barracks backyard. So we're a short distance away um, from some of their most important producing mines in the state. That includes Pipeline and Cortez Hills. Um, Gold Rush is also nearby. So we're in the, we're in the right location here. And um, our land package, we like to think of them as, as three distinct projects, even though there are no gaps in our land package, it's a fully contiguous uh, piece of land. Um, our most advanced asset is called Toyabi, and that's the one that we are currently drilling. We have permits in place to, to drill that, obviously. Uh, it has a small historical resource that was put out by prior operators in 2009. Um, that's not the big prize for us, but it does give us kind of a backstop of value and, and lets us know that there is, you know, we are sitting on a gold system of some kind here. And that was uh, 173,000 ounces at an average grade of 1.2 grams per ton. 
Um, so obviously the size uh, size isn't there yet, but the grade is is quite promising. You know, for um, for a shallow deposit in Nevada, 1.2 grams is is pretty high. So really, what we're trying to do now is prove out the lateral extent of that deposit. So we're we're in the middle of a drill program right now. We're doing 15 holes, about uh, 15,000 feet or just over 4,000 meters. Uh, I just got back from site. Uh, checking out the rigs. Um, we're on hole number six out of 15 right now, so it's humming along. And obviously for, for a company like us, um, you know, drilling is, is the biggest catalyst um, for value either to the, to the upside or to the downside. I think that's going to be really important to show the market. And th these targets that we're, um, we're testing are, are fairly large step outs from outside of the resource. So we're testing new theories. I think a lot of the prior drilling kind of missed. Um, and there's a lot of uh, geological reasons uh, for that being the case. But yeah, so we have uh, no shortage of targets. We're still only scratching the surface of, of our total land package, and, and we're, we're quite optimistic as to, uh, to how this is going to turn out. Colin, talk about the capital structure. Cover the uh, shares outstanding here for us, the cash on hand, major shareholders, including yourself. So right now we have about 68 million shares out. Um, that is on a basic level. We have about 25 million warrants outstanding from prior financings. Um, those are all out of the money right now. Strikes at 20 cents and 25 cents. Uh, I think today we're trading at 13 cents. Uh, by the way, this is all uh, Canadian. On any given day, um, you know, we're between a seven, eight, nine million market cap uh, Canadian. We just did a financing in February. Um, we raised about two and a half million dollars at 12 cents. Um, of that, uh, 1.3 million was earmarked for our drill campaign. So most of that has been spent to this point. Um, I think, you know, looking at our budget right now, coming out of when we expect to get the assay results back from that drill program, which should be kind of mid August, um, we're probably going to have around 700,000 cash on hand, um, Obviously, the uh, the summertime, the field season is is the biggest time for us. So that's where our burn rate is the highest. Um, going into the winter, you know, we have very few people. Um, there's only three of us in active management: myself, our CFO, and and our VP of Exploration, Dave Browning, who's down in Reno, Nevada, full time. So we can keep our burn rate fairly low. Uh, in terms of my personal shareholding, I'm at about 1.7 million shares. Uh, management and directors and insiders in total are the the largest group of shareholders. We're at about 22%. A couple of other mining companies are shareholders, and that was a function of the um, the transactions we did to to build this land package. So, Starcore International Mines, they're at about 6%. We did a deal with them for for our flagship Toyabi. Uh, First Mining Gold, they're at about 2%. Uh, we did a deal with them for our secondary asset called Turquoise Canyon. And uh, MinQuest, another, they're a private mining company, um, but they're also a 2% shareholder. Uh, we, we did a deal, they're the underlying um, optioner on Toyabi. We have a lot of industry vets and well-known guys who, who are shareholders who have been participating privately in our rounds. Not all of them uh, like to be named, but um, one guy I can name is Keith Newmeyer. He's the CEO of First Majestic Silver. He's also the chairman of First Mining Gold, well-known silver investor. 
fairly active out there on social media and, and well-known in investment circles. So he's a, about a 1% shareholder and he's been supporting us um, since the days when this was private, actually. So he's participated in the private rounds and just recently participated in our, in our last public round as well. Colin, on the financing end there, maybe just talk about what you guys see here is when you could finance again. Do you guys expect to come with some results here and, and hopefully capitalize on the back of that news, um, you know, with the capital and coming into the winter time after your program this summer? When do you guys see that you'll be raising capital again? Yeah, so I mean, in an ideal world, um, we would come out with strong assay results and the market um, would start to turn in the fall. And then I ideally, we would capitalize on that and, and we would try and raise money on the back of that. Uh, that being said, you know, if we if September, October rolls around and the market is still just in the doldrums, nobody's paying attention to the sector and and we were facing a pretty dilutive event by financing i think you know we have the ability to wait it out for several months you know for, for better market conditions i don't like to pretend to know how to time the ideal financing window uh, so we'll probably try and err on the side of caution and to be honest if we need a stopgap financing and the markets are just completely you know apathetic to the sector we can pass the hat around between management directors and, and we can, you know, we can do a financing just with insiders and with um, with supportive shareholders. So we're going to stay pragmatic about it, but a long way to answer your question. Yes, ideally, we would finance in the fall in a better market on the back of good asset results. Very well. Yeah, it's always tough to get that timing right. Just back on shareholders and, you know, what else do you have to say about yourself, the board and the rest of the management team? and how you are aligned with shareholders here. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're putting our money where our mouth is. And um, I think we, we've attracted at, at the board level and at the technical advisory level, we've attracted some, some guys who've been around 20, 30, 40 years doing this. So in our last financing, I think the group as, as a total put in about $400,000 into this financing. Um, obviously, we're, we're also incentivized with um, some options, um, you know, really we're not, we're not looking to make money, um, via any other method other than, other than, uh, equity appreciation here. That's going to be the big win for us, right? Um, none of us has sold a single share since we've started owning. We we're going to be accumulating more. Um, I think, you know, everyone's kind of indicated their, um, their willingness and their commitment to participate in every equity raise that we do in the future. Um, so in terms of alignment, I think, you know, I think that's what you want to see as a retail shareholder. Okay. Let's move into Toya B. Talk about that project a little bit more here. What is some of the expectations that you guys see would be coming out of this drill program? And then, you know, given the region, given what some of your technical expertise has on the project here and, um, some of the folks and in internal discussion, you know, what are the expectations with this project? And do you guys see of the three projects in Nevada, Turquoise Canyon and East Saddle, do you guys see that it has the most potential to grow into a larger deposit that could become economic? As I mentioned, you know, Toyabi has seen a fair amount of past drilling, but it was really limited in its scope and its breadth of thinking. So we have that historical resource, you know, about 170,000 ounces. Um, so their thinking um, was they were looking for a sister deposit to uh, the past producing mine that sits right on our property boundary called the Toyabi Saddle Mine. 
Um, that was mined in the late eighties and early nineties. It was an open pit heap leach operation. Um, fairly small just compared to all the other mines in the region. Um, but really, really close to our property boundary. And, um, and what we're thinking, you know, the expectations coming out of this drill program, um, is that, you know, we're going to, we're going to hit some, some widespread mineralization outside of the areas of traditional drilling, which were really confined to a small area. If you look in the context of the 40 square kilometers that we have, it was probably half, half a square kilometer, if that, um, the footprint of this, uh, of this resource. And they went very shallow. They were looking for a simple open pit, um, very shallow RC, um, kind of Swiss cheese in that area of the historical resource. So we don't really see much value going back into that area. What we want to do is prove that there's a, a lateral extent of the mineralization and also go a bit deeper. Um, we're looking for what's called a Carlin type deposit. So that's what, you know, the major mines in Nevada, they're all Carlin type deposits, including the Barrick mines that I mentioned earlier on that produce, uh, you know, one, one plus percent of the world's gold come, come out of those mines every year. Um, so the indications that we have, um, just based on our review of past drilling is that the gold mineralization in this area is, um, is structurally controlled. So it's hosted in, in these faults, which kind of act like uh, the plumbing for the gold. So we're seeing this high grade, these high grade structures near surface. Um, and the very few holes that went a little bit deeper and, you know, not even that deep in the context of, of a lot of these, holes that people are drilling. Um, I'm talking like 300 meters ish. So about a thousand feet. So once they get down to kind of, you know, the, the 200 meter mark, we're starting to see, um, wider intervals. Uh, so 40 meters plus at, at a gram plus. So more widespread disseminated gold. And that's very typical in these Carlin type systems. You have high grade structures near surface, and then you have a proverbial sea of gold, um, deeper, the feeder zone. So we're really looking to tap into that um, because that's when you can start talking about multi-million ounce potential. When you have uh, widespread tabular disseminated gold over several square kilometers. The goal of this program really is to be a stepping stone towards uh, a larger program. If our theories prove true out of this, then, then we want to really hit the ground with a more aggressive campaign um, and eventually move on to Turquoise Canyon. So that's our, our secondary asset that sits to the east of Toyabi. So we're, we're, we have a few targets that are, that are really close to the boundary line with Turquoise Canyon. So we're, we're kind of systematically stepping away from the known into the unknown. And, um, and Turquoise Canyon, I think for us, it represents some good blue sky potential because amazingly for Nevada, it's never been drilled before, which is, which is shocking to me just based on, you know, its proximity to other deposits and mines and the fact that, you know, it, it's got uh, some good geological indications uh, at surface. And we've, we've done about everything else you can do prior to sinking drill holes at Turquoise Canyon. We've done IP, we've done airborne surveys, we've done soil samples, rock samples. Um, so a lot of good targets that we're keen to get onto uh, at Turquoise Canyon after obviously um, examining the data we get back from this current drill campaign. And how about East Saddle here? Does that is that something that would maybe see some work next year, Colin? Any immediate plans with East Saddle? East Saddle is our freshest property, and that was um, <clears throat> we staked that ourselves. 
that was kind of a, a result of um, we we had a field trip with some of the uh, the technical directors and the technical advisory board in the fall, and they noticed this ground, um, you know, south south of our other two properties. Um, at surface, looks looks like the the favorable host rock, the same host rock that that had the past producing mine and hosts our deposit. Um, so we had our eye on that ground for a while. Uh, we're hoping to pick it up. So once um, I think it was an oil and gas company owned owned some of those claims. I think they were looking for barite or, or something like that. Um, but they dropped those claims and we jumped on them. So 101 claims um, that increased our, our land position by about 30. Uh, percent So that's our most underdeveloped project to date we there's no no indications and we've looked looked at the records to see if there's any been any real exploration work done there and it doesn't appear um, that there has been so what we're we are starting to do work um, preliminary work on that project mostly just mapping um, you know we got we got our geos out on site walking the ground um, so that'll be the first step is mapping uh, and then you know we can talk about doing some rock chip sampling, some soil sampling, really just building building the foundation on that project because we do intend to advance it. Um, but most of the major work um, will be at Toyabi and Turquoise Canyon um, while we you know, prep East Saddle for some more serious work in future campaigns. Understood, I appreciate you covering that one as well. Talk about general project M&A in Nevada. You know, what what activity are you seeing out there that you want to highlight? And then also for Westward, is there continuing consideration for acquisition of new projects in Nevada or maybe elsewhere? What are you looking for here? And just talk about the M&A situation in Nevada. Part of the impetus for, for wanting to be in Nevada is because it's a, a highly desirable jurisdiction. Um, there's been a trend over the last several years even maybe longer than that of companies who have been operating in riskier jurisdictions <clears throat> wanting to get a foothold in nevada um, so i think you know the jurisdiction commands a premium and um, i think that you know the most recent example would be uh, gold standard ventures getting bought out um, you know uh, first majestic coming in with Jarrett canyon um, anglo buying corvus uh, you know, there's there's a lot of companies that are frankly probably sick and tired of the geopolitical BS they have to deal with in some of these other countries and saying, you know, if we if we just we'd be sitting pretty in Nevada, we 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 wouldn't have to worry about that aspect of the business, and then we could focus on um, on the project level uh, and generating value there. So I think from an M and A perspective, we're if we can if we can prove out the potential of the project being in Nevada will command a premium down the road. Um, for us personally, looking at being more acquisitive uh, down the road, um, I think, you know, that that's a function. We're, and we're always looking. We have guys on, on the team that, uh, that live in Nevada, that hear all the whispers. They know, you know, what's available, what's not available. Um, so we are, we are building out a database of, you know, potential other projects. Um, that we'd be interested in. Uh, for a company of our size, we obviously want to limit dilution. So it comes down to our share capital, you know, how much how much currency we have in that regard, and if we can negotiate a favorable price. Um, we do want to grow both organically and through M and A. Um, but right now, we we kind of have our hands full with with the three projects and the the ongoing program. Um, so we always have our ear to the ground. Uh, but we're going to be we're going to be fairly price sensitive at, at this point 
um, and just trying to uh, trying to execute on what's what's directly in front of us. So how about this uh, Moloi project in Ontario? What's the plan there? Are you looking to JV that out? Are you looking to sell it outright, keep it? Uh, talk about that one as well. That one was a holdover from the precursor company, which was called IM Exploration. And that was, uh, that was their listing asset. So um, it, it is interesting in its own right, but I don't think it compares to what we're seeing in Nevada. That one's non-core for us. Um, I think, you know, we'd like to focus all of our uh, money and human resources down in Nevada. So we'll probably look to, to do something on that fairly shortly. I think either looking at someone else taking it on or potential JV, but some, something that we can really be hands off on it. Um, because all of our all of our focus is going to be in Nevada. That's our that's our flagship right now. I should note just to be clear <clears throat> that we don't own that property. That 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 was under option. Okay, that's great. I appreciate the clarification on that. And uh, maybe talk about just the overall company strategy, Colin. You know, we've seen a number of companies over the years, Gold Standard Ventures, and a number of others come into this region. There's a lot of competition in Nevada. What do you see as the strategy, how long do you think it will take to execute that strategy in terms of years? And do you see that this is, you know, discover, advance a deposit to where it's possible to get bought out? My suspicion is for this stage of company, that would be the goal. But, you know, just talk about the bigger, broader strategy, Colin, and how long do you think it would take to execute out that strategy? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. None of us want to be mine builders at this point. We want to prove up the potential of this project, put a nice bow on it, and then, uh, you know, ideally have, have someone come in and take it off our hands, you know, creating uh, some, some really good upside for our shareholders. And in terms of timing, um, you know, it really depends on how much money we're able to raise and, and how the market looks. If we can go out and raise a sizable amount of money on the back of a strong market and strong results, and we can get more aggressive with our drilling, um, you know, the, the current campaign is is kind of a starter campaign. It, 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 it's 15, 15 holes, so it's not nothing to sneeze at. Um, but this project deserves a lot more than that. So if we can go out and get get some some backing with some um, some strong, uh, strong shareholders and good amounts of money and go after this thing more aggressively, then we can obviously tighten up that timeline. I think to get you know a potential acquirer interested, we need to be talking about over a million ounces and over a million ounces in Nevada. If the grades there, I think that becomes very attractive, not only to a, a producer, but, you know, some of these larger developers that have been accumulating land um, in the area. So that that is that's the, the basic strategy is, um, you know, grow the resource. Um, we'd like to put out a new a new resource, a new compliant resource. Um, that probably won't be achieved post this drill, drill campaign because we just need a, a greater volume of drilling. Um, but if we can raise money and then next year hit the ground even harder with, um, you know, double, triple, quadruple the size uh, of the drill campaign, then we can put out a compliant resource um, and make it attractive and just continue to advance the asset uh, and generate some buzz and then hopefully uh, get some interest from, uh, from acquirers down the road. Very well. I appreciate that. And hopefully progress is made there, Colin, and you guys can see that to actually result in a good amount of value for everybody involved. For potential investors who are listening in, Colin, Westward Gold stands at about 7 million Canadian market cap. What would you say to those that are listening about the opportunity with this exploration stage company? Yeah, all I would say is, you know, 
this is the time to get positioned if you want to participate in the potential upside or re-rating event coming out of um, coming out of the drill program, assuming the assays are good. I would caveat that by saying, obviously, this is high risk. This uh, this is a high risk investment. And that's why people like to have these, these types of, I don't want to say binary, but kind of not related to the overall market. If, if you can make a discovery here, um, regardless of how, how the, the broader market is moving, we should re-rate here. And we've traded as high as a 20 million market cap um, in, in a better environment, in a better market. You know, we were at 30, 30 plus cents at one point and our, our chart since then, uh, since the summer of, of 21, um, has mimicked a lot of our peers. You know, you could stack up all our peers against us and it's the charts all look the same, unfortunately, in the wrong direction. Um, but uh, for those shareholders who are patient, who are looking for um, potential big re-rating um, and a two, three, four X, we've seen that seen that time and time again with some of these explorers, you know, one drill hole can add many, many millions to a market cap, especially when you're starting from such a basement level, you know, we're, we're on the ground floor here in terms of valuation. Um, and even just the ground that we have in Nevada by itself, I, I would argue that in a better market, that could be worth $15 million. Outsized potential returns here and um, having this as kind of a, a small part of your portfolio on the riskier side of the portfolio, you know, some, some investors like to have that exposure. Well, I certainly appreciate you underscoring the high risk part of it. Not too many people do that. So I appreciate that. And how about the best way for investors to contact the company? You can go on our website. Uh, you can contact us via there. You can sign up for our, um, our news to your inbox. Um, info at westwardgold.com uh, is a good resource. We check that email and, and, any investors who would like a little bit more detail or would like to set up a phone call or a meeting with management, uh, more than happy to uh, to have a chat about that. Well, Colin, appreciate the introduction and the time here. Keep up the good progress there and uh, best of luck on Westward and the projects. Thanks so much. Appreciate the time.